Good morning and welcome to another mini Monday episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today I'm going to be telling you the story about the kidnapping of Natasha Kampush. So grab yourself some coffee and let's dive on in. Our story starts in 1998 on the morning of March 2nd when 10-year-old Natasha Kampusch was walking to school from her house in Vienna, Austria. While she was walking there, she was kidnapped off of the street by a man named Wolfgang Prickelo. Wolfgang kidnapped her and took her to his home in the suburb of Strasshof, which is about 30 minutes away from where she was kidnapped. There was a report from a 12-year-old that had said that they witnessed it, and they said that they had seen Natasha being dragged into a white minivan by two men. So police immediately start searching the area for anybody that would fit the white minivan description that they were given. They searched 776 vehicles, which is insane. And one of the vehicles that they searched was Wolfgang's. They even interviewed the 44-year-old man, but he said that he had been at home alone at the time of the abduction, and the only thing that he was using his van for at that time was to remove rubble during construction that was being done at his house. And the police said, okay, good enough, moving on. And they didn't even search his home. They didn't even investigate him anymore. For years after, Natasha was being held captive in a 54-square-foot soundproof windowless cellar that was built under Wolfgang's garage. And the space was so well hidden and secure that they say that it take would take an hour to get inside or out of it because of how, like... Going through all, like, the procedures it takes to open it? Yeah. Is that what that means? Which is just crazy to me. Yeah. So when... Wolfgang had originally kidnapped Natasha. He had told her that he had a gun and he would use it to kill her if she tried to escape. And he also told her that the doors and the windows of the house were booby-trapped with explosives so that if she tried to leave, it would explode and she wouldn't she would die anyways, which is just horrifying to think of this 10-year-old girl just being there. Over the years that she was held captive, Natasha started to become more submissive towards Wolfgang and she didn't even try to escape. He kind of gave her a little bit more leniency and would let her out of the cellar that she was held captive in. So she would actually come up to the house and clean the house for him. And then he even took her out on grocery trips with him a few different times. But she was so scared to run away that she just never did. And she never even tried to reach out to anybody. So she was going out in the community and people were just interacting with her, not knowing that it was her. Which is wild because she wasn't taken that far from home. Correct. And it's just insane to think. Throughout the years, Wolfgang would go through times where he would regularly beat her starve her for periods of time and sometimes he would just keep her in darkness for periods kind of to just mess with her mind and i just feel so bad for her because that's so young to be going through all of that so when natasha was 18 she finally decided that she was going to try to escape if she found a chance for it So on August 23rd, 2006, Wolfgang had asked Natasha to vacuum the interior of his car, which was parked in the front yard. And so she was out there doing that for him. 
And he just so happened to take a call on his cell phone and he just kind of walked away a little bit from the car, not necessarily paying attention. And she's like, this is my chance. So she left the vacuum running to not give any suspicion and just took off running through the gate. She was sprinting down the street, begging passerbys to like help her. She's like, can anybody, I police, like I've been kidnapped. I've been held captive, help. And she said that many people ignored her at first. That's unfortunate, it, but yeah, I can't say I'm surprised because we hear about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So she finally found somebody to contact the police. And once she contacted the police, they finally had Natasha back and they're like, this is awesome. Like we found the girl. Now let's go get the guy. Right. Well, on the same day of the escape, Wolfgang was like, shit, I'm going to go to jail for a while for this one. I'm going to be in a little bit of trouble. So he went to a friend of his and confessed that he had kidnapped this girl. And he apparently said, quote, I'm a kidnapper and a rapist, end quote. And then decided that that was it for him. And he jumped in front of a train and killed himself. Just where he went with that, I wasn't expecting. That was so abrupt. (laughs) I was just like, what? Wow that's how i kept finding it he just he went and admitted it to his friend and was like yeah this was me i did it yeah and was like no more life for me jump in front of a train he didn't want to have to deal with being locked up which there's just so much irony in that there's a lot of irony in that but i mean he was taken care of at that point in time so the police were like okay and Austria's police actually kind of got a lot of criticism for this and like backlash because they had interviewed him, but they didn't investigate further. And there were leads and things that if they had followed, they would have found her sooner. And so it's just really sad to think that she spent eight years in captivity just because a few leads weren't followed or things were just kind of let slip for a while. There was a lot of belief that Wolfgang had an accomplice, like there were two people working together. And if you remember, I told you that there was a witness that had said that two men dragged her into a bus. It was actually confirmed in 2012 that by the FBI after they looked into it in depth for nine months and they decided that it was very likely that it was just Wolfgang operating on his own and nobody had helped him. Years after, Natasha actually bought the house where she was kept in a cell so that it couldn't be turned into, as she called it, a theme park. She didn't want it to be something where people were going to come and learn about her life that way and see what she'd been through. I think she wanted to kind of, she hadn't been in control of a lot of things in her life, and I think she wanted to have control of how people saw that aspect of her life. Well, that makes sense. You know, it's such a traumatic thing. I think it would probably, well, I guess, where is this going? Did she is it still standing or did she have it like demolished? The house is still standing. I was reading that she actually cleans it like frequently, kind of obsessively. And I don't know what her attachment is to it, I guess. I mean, she spent eight years of her life there. So I don't, in 2011, she did write a book mm-hmm. about her captivity that is called 3096 Days, which talks about her escape and what she went through there. I have not read the book. Um, But she also came out with another book in 2016 called 10 Years of Freedom. So she talks about how difficult it was to adjust back into life after she'd been kidnapped for such a long period of time. And then also like all the scrutiny that she has gotten for being kidnapped and all of the different stuff in relation to just that surrounds her kidnapping. 
I just think it's crazy. I don't know the exact reason that she like like what she does with the house or why she still visits it. I don't I don't know all of that, but she might talk about that more in her book why she mm-hmm. felt like she needed to keep that. After she was released from her captivity, she underwent intensive treatments from doctors and psychologists so that she could kind of come to terms with her experience because it was so traumatic for her, as you could imagine. So if you want to know more about her story, I know there's documentaries that she has done where she talks about her story in person. And I know, and then there's those two books. If you guys want to purchase either 3,096 Days or 10 Years of Freedom, both written by Natasha Kambush. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.